We are glad that you're here. We've got a handful of people here in the room with us. We've got some people joining us online, and we are glad that you all have chosen to be with us today. We know everyone is watching the news on a daily basis, the numbers. We are as well, but we are glad to have you here. It's good to see some faces we haven't seen in a while, and uh, just to remember the people that we love and we don't get to do life with on a regular basis. Um, We're looking forward to the time when we get to do that regularly and we get to see each other regularly again. So um, we are glad that you chose to, to join us. We are in week four of Jesus is Essential. And so today we're going to somewhat continue what we talked about last week. And that is that not only is Jesus essential, Jesus basically said there is a way that is essential. And so if there's a way that is essential, then that means that we are going to have to be aware of, well, what is that way? And and the, the, the problem with that conversation for us is that so many different people have different interpretations of what the way is. So we're going to talk through a little bit about that, and we're going to do that in a little bit of an unorthodox way this morning. Uh, so I hope that you are in a place where you can kind of focus, and I know if you're at home, some of the kids may be destroying your house right now. It will still be there when we're done. And uh, so we want to move forward together, or maybe you're going to watch this later in the day. But um, let's, let's begin with prayer, and then we will get started. Father, God, I am thankful uh, that you are here among us in this place. I am thankful that you are with those who are at home watching online, that you are with those who are well, and you are with those who are sick. And Father, we do pray that you would continue to bring an end just to this terrible pandemic affecting so many people. Father, we do pray that as a church, we will be able to see you, hear you, and follow you into the places that you tell us to go and to speak. And Father, I pray that you would just cleanse us from um, all things that are distracting. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to clearly see you in these next few minutes, and that as you are inviting us on a way, you will make clear what that way is for each of us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let's get started. I, I'm going to jump around a couple of places, but we're primarily going to be in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 5 through 15. But before we get there, I have a few things I want to share with you. I want to pick up something from last week, and then I want to talk to you a little bit about what does it look like and how does Jesus talk about the way. The, the reality that we saw last week, and if you want to do a word study in your Bible, what you'll find is, is that the way is often talked about in Scripture. It is something that Jesus talks about over and over again, and it is something that the disciples then take that lead. They begin talking about the way, and in fact, the group of people that would become followers of Jesus, they were referred to as the way. So the concept of a way is important and has always been in Christianity. It has always been an important aspect of how do we live. There's there's a bit of a push at times for us to think, well, you can do whatever, you can be whatever, you can think whatever. You know, God is just for you, and he just wants you to know, or he just wants to know that you love him. But everything else is fair game. Does Scripture bear that out? Well, I'm not going to answer all those questions today, because some of those questions are things that you have to answer yourself. But I am going to point us in the direction in which Jesus pointed his disciples when he was trying to help them understand how they are supposed to to live, and how they are supposed to understand the world around them. But let's start with John 14, 6, and this is where we see Jesus being so specific that the way for us 
is not necessarily the way that we want to interpret or the way that we want to understand. So in other words, the way is not just you need to go do this. You know, we've joked and talked about uh, the reality that uh, in years past, I grew up in a church, and some of you grew up in churches, we had offering envelopes, and the way was clearly designated on the offering envelope. You all remember those. You brought your Bible, you came to church, you went to Sunday school, you gave your tithe, you, know, you read your Bible sometimes during the week, whatever the, the lists were on your offering envelope, there seemed to be a way. And I remember when I first became a Christian, I had grown up in the church, and there was a very real difference between all the things I had learned about what I was supposed to do and then all these new things I was experiencing because of the Holy Spirit as a result of coming to faith in Christ. And I, I was like, I, I just feel like this is so much. I'm not sure I, I, I can even bring it all together into a cohesive thing of now what do I do? In fact, the next steps for a new believer are can be, not always, but can be some of the most difficult, but they can also be some of the easiest, depending on how you address the fact that you are being called into this way. Jesus says in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And this is the most pivotal point in which we understand if we're going to have a conversation about the way, then the conversation has to be the way is, has always been, always will be through Jesus. Always will be through Jesus. He is the architect. He is the doorway. He is the way. But that in and of itself can be a little confusing, right? It can seem like, oh, Jesus is the way. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> what does that mean? If you're struggling with how do I act, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, I think most of us, if not all of us, are probably struggling right now with how do I act. How do I act in all the things that are going on in the world? How do I act in what's going on? in the lives of people I care about. How do I how do I act? When trauma enters into the world, into our world, what do I do about the trauma? How do I how do I understand this? What am I supposed to do next? I shared several prayer requests this week through our church and many of you have been praying through our Facebook group about things that are happening in the lives of others. It just feels like there's an endless stream of terrible things happening, does it not? I mean it's it it it, it makes me tired. I, like many, are weary right now. I, I stand up and we talk about Jesus as essential, and yet I am still struggling in the part of the way that Jesus has me on right now. I am weary. Whenever we have friends that are hurting, it is difficult. We've been asking you to pray for the Totoro family. They have some, uh, not, they're not just good friends, they're family members. Christie's niece, or excuse me, nephew, um, passed away this week. And it was a terrible, terrible accident. And what they're dealing with as a result of him drowning after he had saved a couple of other members who were also struggling in the water is uh, just uh, un, uh, unbelievable. I, I don't know how you'd... He apparently just saved two individuals, but then could not save himself. These things make you weary. We talk about Jesus is the way, and we say, you know, hey, you're struggling? I want you to know Jesus is the way. How, how do you deal with 
Jesus being the way when your heart is broken, right? Sometimes the anecdotal way that we approach Jesus, that we talk about Jesus, even the phrase Jesus is essential can be anecdotal because at the end of the day, okay, but I need more meat than that. I need to understand what that means. I need to know how I'm supposed to respond to this. Paul talks about this. But what, one of the things Jesus is, is saying and what I believe and where we're headed today is that if Jesus is essential, if he is essential, because the, the reality is, as Jesus said, you cannot share me with anyone else, not in sharing your faith or evangelizing. Like the p- place in your heart cannot be me and something else. It's, it's either me or it's not me. It's not me and something else. That's the parable of the treasure in the field, and the man sold everything he had to buy the field where the treasure was or the pearl of great price. I, that's why he says, I, I don't want you to be lukewarm. I, I want you to be hot or cold, because lukewarm is the same as cold. I, I, I'm either the, I'm essential or I'm not essential. Okay, so especially for a new believer, so what does that mean that you're essential? And when we kind of pull all this together in this idea of the way that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus is essential. What Jesus is essentially saying here is that we align ourselves with his ways when he is essential to us because the ways of Jesus are now essential to us. If you're a believer, can you point to a time when you noticed a change in your motives, behavior, or attitude that was not explainable outside of Jesus is doing something now in you? I, I can remember I was young. I, I can remember I never liked getting in trouble. Uh, my family says I at times would kind of make up stuff to get out of trouble. They were right, but I never would admit to that. And I remember the first time I got in trouble after becoming a believer, and I was like, I'm not trying to squirm my way out of this. That's not what Jesus wants from me. I'm going to own it. I'm going to admit it. I'm going to take my lumps. And I'm not doing this again. Now, in that moment, that did not feel like a choice. It it felt like that was the only choice. And it did not feel like I was exercising a part of my will. It felt like Jesus in me was exercising my will for me. You probably have moments like that too. I've encouraged you before to think through what is God saying to you throughout your day. There are moments that I will respond differently to a situation and I will know this is only because of what Jesus is doing within me. Thank you, Jesus, that you're doing something in me. Could you speed it up and do a little more is often how I follow that prayer up, right? If Jesus is essential, aligning ourselves with his ways become essential to us. This is a big disconnect in our culture. Be Jesus, but keep keep your ways. And I'm going to tell you, there is no more empty place in the world than to believe you have Jesus, but to have abandoned his ways. There is no way. There's no darker place than that. Because at least if you've rejected Jesus, you know that you're rejecting Jesus. But to believe, I've received this thing, and yet I reject his ways, gives you a false sense of security that leads you to a very dark place. It's exactly where the enemy wants you. Exactly where the enemy wants you. Paul says this in Acts 24, 14. He says, this I confess to you. This is where Paul's in trouble, which, like, which time? (laughs) 
because he's in trouble all the time. But, but this I confess to you, he's speaking before Felix, and he says that according to the way which they call a sect. Now, a sect means it's, so, so you're still Jewish, but this is like a rogue, like, you know, controversial countercultural form of Judaism. And that, that's what he's saying here. The way, that's what, that's what people who don't understand what Christianity is, that, that's what they still say today. This is some weird offshoot of Judaism, but really they're, they're Jews. But what he's saying is, I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God which these men themselves accept, and there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. Now, Paul's saying a lot here. He's saying a whole lot here. One, what he's saying is that followers of Jesus follow the way. So he is saying there is a way that followers of Jesus follow. How does this, how does this affect us today? Because I believe there is a way Jesus wants to handle the events that are happening around us today. There is a way. That way, of course, involves the gospel and our relationship with Jesus Christ. But it goes beyond that. He would have us handle it, just as we talked a couple of weeks ago, as he would, where Christianity became, uh, the name Christian literally meant little Christ. We so mimic what Christ would do that people look at us and say, oh, you're just like Christ. That's what Christ would do. There's a way for us to be little Christ in 2020. And while a part of me wants to just ignore that 2020 is happening, Right? I just want to pretend it's all gone away. It hasn't. It's here. It seems to get worse as we go through the year. Jesus is saying, there's a way I want you to handle this. There's a way I want you to be through this. And I think as Christians, we have gotten sucked in to a way that the world is dealing with it, not the way that Jesus wants us to deal with it. Like we're hopeless. Like our Savior is a politician. Or a physician. It is a physician. It's just not the physician that we're seeing on TV. Now, I'm not trying to, I'm not making a political statement about who you should listen to as far as physicians, but the great physician does not hold a medical license. The great physician is God Himself. So, how are we to live in a way? He says, Paul is saying, followers of Jesus follow the way. There's a way. Followers of the way, as he says through his own life, worship God. So worship has to be a part of us. Do you still today go out of your house and look for something worthy of worship? Of course that's God. But do you see what he's doing in the sky around you? Do you hear what he's whispering in your ear when you want to give up? Does he remind you as you look up and see a, a sky full of clouds that, I, you know, I, I don't know where this heavenly realm is, but God is in a heavenly realm that is so glorious. Do we consider all the ways Jesus has been there for us? He has healed us. He has loved us. He has forgiven us. And that Jesus is essential to us. Followers of the way worship God. 
I feel convinced that we ourselves will not walk through 2020 or 2021. Who knows what 2021 is going to bring? That we can walk through that with an attitude of worship because God is worthy. All of the things that the apostles went to, they saw that God was worthy. Jesus was precious. He was beautiful. And if you take my life, I will not give up the preciousness of Jesus. If you torture me, I will not give up the beauty of knowing him. And if you tell me either you recant your faith or you die, I die because I I get to go be with him because he is more beautiful and worthy than any life I will live on this planet. Jesus was extreme. He was extreme. The point was not, I want to see how far I can push you. The point was, listen, this world you see around you, it pales in comparison to what I want to show you. But if you love it, you'll never see the beauty of the other that is there. Can we in ourselves, in this time, as we listen to the news, as we watch social media, can we focus on the other when everything is pointing for us to focus on the thing that leads us to discouragement. We are bearers of hope. We are bearers of love. We are bearers of pointing people to a place that even when the world is burning down around them, life is beautiful because Jesus is there does not mean that Jesus is okay with the world burning down around us. I believe his heart breaks just as much as ours does. But what Paul is saying is followers of the way worship. When Paul was shipwrecked, he worshiped. When Paul was imprisoned, he worshiped. I still, I'll never forget the image. When those Egyptian Christians were marched out into the desert their lives to be taken from them because they would not recant their faith and convert to Islam. I I will never forget watching that clip as they sang hymns of their faith while their lives were taken from them. That is worship. To recognize you are the only one worthy of everything. And if my life is taken from me and yet I have you, then I have lost nothing. That is a beautiful picture of worship. It's not the picture of worship I want us to exercise here in our church. But I want us to be so enthralled with Jesus that if that ever came into our lives, we would see the beauty of Jesus through it. Followers of the way worship God. Followers of the way, Paul's also saying, believe the law is still important. Because he says, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. We'll come to that in a minute. That does not mean he's saying we need to follow sacrificial law, that we need to follow all the religious practices of the Jews. But what he's saying is there is a way that God has revealed to us that we should live life. And I just got to tell you, if you have never studied the law, and I don't mean the Ten Commandments, I mean the whole law. It will open your eyes to exactly what Paul is saying here because a lot of the law that was laid down outside of the Ten Commandments was had everything to do with how are you a good neighbor? How do you love people? 
When something goes wrong, how do you make it right? And if you hurt people, this is what the punishment is, so that you will not desire to hurt people anymore. So much of the law is built around, hey, there is a beautiful life out there, and if we just all followed this, life would be beautiful. I mean, we would be in a paradise. Part of what we hope in heaven is that what we're going to experience there is what we would have experienced here if everyone was able to live out the way of Jesus perfectly. We're not there. We're not going to be there until Jesus returns. Jesus never said that the law was unimportant. He never said, I just want you to love. He said that love encompasses all of the law. In other words, if we... It's not that we understand the law through our understanding of love. We understand love through God's delivering of the law. Followers of the way believe the law is still important. Followers of the way believe everyone will live again after they die. Everyone will live again, which is huge for him to say. Two reasons. One, because there are a group of people that say, oh, yeah, no, when you die, you die. You're you're done. There was a group of people calling themselves Christians that they did not believe in the resurrection. And if you do not believe in the resurrection, how can you have faith in the gospel? Because if there is no resurrection, Jesus did not walk out of the grave. And if there is no resurrection, there is no heaven for us. There is no, I go to prepare a place for you, we talked about last week. There's just done. You're done. People in the world that don't truly have faith in Christ, whether they recognize it or not, that's what they believe about life. And he's saying everyone is resurrected. But what he's also saying is there's a way. Resurrection doesn't lead to the same place. Which I'm sure for him brings a level of fear. For me brings a level of fear. Paul himself said, listen, I'm working this stuff out every single day. I'm training. I'm beating the air because I don't want to be preaching this and talking about this and living this out. And at the end of the day, missed it myself. I want to miss it. If he recognized there's a way. Jesus said there, there is a way. There is a narrow way. There's a broad way. The narrow way is the way that leads to life. The broad way is the way that leads to destruction. The broad way is the, fine, is the way that we discover naturally. The narrow way is the way where Jesus is. Followers of the way believe everyone will live again after they die after they die. Also, followers of the way take pains to act rightly toward God and man. He says it this way, so I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. In other words, when we are following the way, we take great pains to act rightly toward God and man so that we can't be accused otherwise. What's problematic is that you can act rightly and yet someone can accuse you of acting wrongly, right? You can act exactly the way Jesus wants, and you can feel confident you did the right thing, and yet you can be raked over the coals by someone else for it. You have to be careful when we talk about acting rightly. We're not talking about acting rightly in the eyes of others, but he's saying rightly in the eyes of God. This is what it means to live rightly. And here's what I want us to look at in Matthew chapter 5, and this is, this is what I want to wrap up with. Jesus talked about the way in a, in a kind of a different way when he taught his disciples how to pray. And I just want to walk through this. And I want you to see what Jesus is saying because when Jesus is talking to them about prayer, Jesus is not just saying, okay, guys, so 
Here's what I need you to do. I need you to set aside 10, 15, 20 minutes each day. I need you to find the time that you're going to do this. I need you to do these three or four or five different things, and then you'll be good with God. He'll be okay with you. Just make sure now you guys take a note, three or four or five different things. Now, don't add. Don't take away. I need you to do this. This is exactly what he wants. Just do this, and, you know, you can do it in your sleep eventually. That's not what he's saying. Instead, when Jesus talks to the disciples about prayer, what Jesus is saying literally here is, this is what it means to tune your hearts to God. As followers of Jesus, this has to be our draw and our call, to tune our heart to God. So this is how Jesus talked about the way through the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, he opens talking about what it shouldn't be, interestingly, before he gets to what it should be. And he says, when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues. Okay, this is that group that is, that I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm doing the five different things. I'm making sure I'm doing the right stuff. They're doing the thing. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, does that mean that the fact that I prayed just a few minutes ago in public, online, even, that makes labels me a hypocrite? It, well, it could, but not because I prayed in front of you and not because I did it online. Jesus took great pains to explain to the disciples a message that God had been telling the Israelites, Hebrews, Jews throughout their history. I'm interested in what's going on in here less than what you were doing out here. Now that does not mean that, as, well, as long as I feel right about it, it doesn't matter what I do. Your motives determine your intentions and your actions. So our motives will move us to action. Our motives determine our intentions. And what Jesus says is, you can fake a lot of people, but you can't fake me. You cannot fake me. I care what's going on inside of you. We see the same idea when Samuel's going to, to select the next king after Saul has disobeyed God. And he goes to the house of Jesse, and God says, now listen, when you go, you're going to see some really impressive people. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. If you're looking this up, but you're going to see some really impressive people. I want you to know, I don't look at the things you're looking at. I'm looking at their heart because that determines how they're going to lead, how they're going to live, how, if they're going to lead people to me or away from me. So don't look on their outside appearance. Look on their heart. This is how God works. And it amazes me how many people live a life thinking that they can fake out God or Maybe they don't think they can fake out God. They just don't believe God's really watching. Oftentimes they fake out themselves. Oftentimes I faked out myself. This is where repentance becomes a regular part of life for us. Where How does this deal with 2020? We're getting there. What we see here is that God judges our hearts and our motives and not just our actions. That's why the, our actions are so important, because other people judge our 
motives by our actions. God judges our actions by our motives. He does the reverse. That frightens me. Does that frighten you? That frightens me. (laughs) So, I'm a fairly articulate person most of the time. I feel like I can create... Okay, Leslie disagrees based on that little whimper and laugh, but um, (laughs) I feel that I can cohesively create an argument and defend it. There's a piece of me that wishes I had been an attorney at, you know, at some point in my life for the challenge and to articulate a point and to win a point. Not really the best way to approach your career because you just want to beat people. That's not good. But I feel like I can do that. And yet when I stand before God, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. Like, he just peers right in and sees what's happening here. He knows my motives. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I whip up in my mind or what I convince myself of. He knows that is both beautiful and terrifying because even though he looks and he sees everything, he still loves me. And he still loves you. Even though he sees the darkness, even though he sees the hypocrisy, even though he sees the the times when I say one thing and yet I do another, he sees and he still died for me. This is why part of our defense of the gospel is how much Jesus loves us. Oh, for sure, someone might die for a good person. But what about us who we, if we're honest, know how ugly things get in here? While we were sinners, Christ died for us. God judges our hearts and our motives, not just our actions. Then he goes in and he says, and when you pray, and some of your translations will say this, now pray in this way. (laughs) Again, this idea of, hey, listen, you don't just go up and make this stuff up. There's a way. There's a way. So pray in in this way, or in the English Standard Version, pray then this, pray then like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. There is none like you, God our Father. There is no one like you. You deserve to be worshipped. You deserve to be put on a pedestal. You are the pearl of great price. You are the treasure buried in the field. You are everything. Recognize that God is everything and we are not. Verse 10, he goes on, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which essentially means this. God, help us to live, act, interact, do all that we do in the way that you would have us do it if we were in heaven with you. Let your will, let what you want to see happen, let your understanding of health, let your understanding of proper motives, let your understanding of living, walking correctly, let that be done here in me, just as that's done in heaven, where there is no sin, where there is no, uh, I can choose apart from you. Let it be here. In other words, let your kingdom be here through me. So if Jesus is essential, what he's saying is the way is the way that brings heaven to earth in some form through us. 
your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. I want, I want my life. I want my world. I want my city. I want my church. I want my friends. I want my kids. I want my wife. I want my family. My, I, I, want, I want us to mimic you, Christ. I want all this to mimic you, which can be a bit discouraging. I don't know, you all may not have discovered this yet, but if you want that, it's a bit discouraging living here in this place and in this time. And yet, this is what he's saying, but pray for this. Let this be on your hearts. Let this be on your lips. That we would mimic Christ here and all that is around us would as well. Verse 11, give us this daily bread. Oh, I remember a long time ago I heard someone say, we're asking for bread and not for cake. Well, I don't, I'm not a big cake eater, so bread's fine with me. That kind of misses the point also. But give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need. I'm real bad about telling God what I need. Do y'all do this? No, y'all don't do this. I do this. Y'all don't do this. Guys, this is what I need to happen. I don't say it that way because I know God would want me to do that. But so I say it in other ways like, oh, God, I just know that your will will be accomplished if you'll just. Let there be a new car in my driveway. You know, I don't pray that. But something, a lot of my prayers probably are no better than that. This is a place where. Come, we come to just kneeling before Christ and say, hey, what, what you want is what I want. And I'm just, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you that when your wants align with his wants, your life is beautiful. There is no want when your life wants, uh, when your wants are the same as his wants. There are no wants. There is no sense of loss. There is no sense of missing out. There is no sense of, oh, nah, I mean, this is a way to live life. Like, no, there's no other way than this. This is this is the life. Jesus is saying that. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And when we are aligned with him based on God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which includes me. Give me what I need so that your will is done so I mimic you and so I become what you want me to become. That is life. That is joy. That is fulfillment. The pursuit of happiness ends there. Give us our daily bread. I trust you that what you're giving me right now is what I need, even if it's not what I want. I don't want to wear a mask. I'm wearing a mask. I don't want to worry about people getting sick. I still worry about people getting sick. I, 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 there's a lot of things I don't want right now, and I'm not saying that God has given us coronavirus, but I'm saying what he's doing in the midst of it is exactly what we need and exactly what he wants for us. And what if what he wants for us is to show up people who are giving up on the world and giving up on life that there is another life worth are we showing that? Are we too wrapped up in all the bad stuff? I, I, I go on a daily basis back and forth here. I get wrapped up on the bad stuff. That's why I, I shared a post, a blog yesterday. I've got to, I've just, I've had to distance myself. It is hard for me to focus on what God is saying and doing if I'm focused on what everyone else is yelling 
through every other medium that I experience in the day. I've had to just say, you know what, I'm going to miss some stuff that I wish I hadn't missed, but you know what, what I'm trading is I'm going to hear more clearly what God wants to say to me right now. I'm not encouraging Christians to put their head in the sand. I think Christians should be the most educated, uh, well-researched people on the planet. This is why we are encouraged to be we are to be wise, we are to be crafty, we are to think through, we are to have a strategy. We need to be the most aware, but there are times when we are not researching, we're just having people shout in our ears that drowns out what God wants to say. And there are times we have to pull back and say, I need to, I need, I'm going to quiet this because I need to hear this over here. That's what I need. I have never had God speak to me that I do not just say thank you, even when he's getting on to me, because he does that for me. I don't know about you. There are two things God does for me that I'm not sure everyone believes that God will do for you, and I'm thankful for both. One is as he chastises me. He says, Mark, you need to stop. Now, that doesn't feel good, like, oh, great. i write that in my journal. That is not what that feels like. But he spoke to me. He hasn't abandoned me. The second thing he does is he tells me, Mark, well done. I don't think we have to wait till we die to hear well done from him. And I also don't think that we have to, everything we have to do has been well done for him to say well done. There is an encouraging moment in your heart in which I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to you, well done. You should experience the joy of your Creator and your Savior in you. And if you're a person that believes you that God has no joy in you, I'm telling you, someone has lied to you. God has great joy in you. He will have left the 99 just for you. Give us this day our daily bread. Verse 12 says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. God wants us to demonstrate the gospel, not just in what we get, but it's also what we give. It's where the gospel becomes our operating uh, motivation. This is like, I just, I operate out of the gospel because this is what the gospel has done for me. I am forgiven. I must forgive. He goes on and says, and uh, just forgive me. Just forgive me and I'm going to forgive others because forgiveness is so crucial in walking in your way. Gosh, forgiveness, if you were to think of what are the top 5, 10, 100, 200 things that happen online on a daily basis, I don't think forgiveness would be on anyone's list. And yet, it is so crucial that Jesus says, listen, when you're going to align your heart with God, it is wrapped up in forgiveness. Forgiveness for ourselves and for others. I'm convinced that if we are unwilling to forgive others, we have yet to understand the depth of God's forgiveness for us, or maybe even that we needed to be forgiven. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And then verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, there's this concept of way. There's a way. God, keep me on your way. Don't let me go this way. Let me go this way. There's a way. And we spend our whole lives trying to live that way out. Verse 14 says, Do you forgive others their trespasses? 
Your Heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In other words, if the way of your heart and the way of your actions don't line up, there is trouble. Here's the good news. I don't have five points. I'm almost done. That's good news. But I don't have five points for you to go live this out. Because this is what the Holy Spirit does in you. The Holy Spirit's already doing this in you. This is part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to move you to repentance. It's to move you to forgiveness. This is part of what he wants to do within you. That changing that happens within us, that those moments where we're like, I'm different. I don't know what happened, but I've never thought like that before. That's the Holy Spirit. That's that change that happens within us. We're going to continue this conversation on the way next week. Followers of the way live in such a way that their lives mimic Christ both publicly and privately. There is a way we we don't love like we want to love and ask Jesus to bless it. We love like Jesus loved. We don't pursue righteousness like we want to pursue righteousness or like somebody else tells us what is righteous. We pursue righteousness as Jesus pursued righteousness. We don't spend our lives pining for things that aren't important to Jesus. We spend our lives pining for the things that are important to Jesus. They change us, and there's joy. And yet in this world, there is still heartache. We talked about last week. You know what? Maybe it was last week. It was a couple of weeks ago. Every day has enough trouble of itself. Don't worry about tomorrow's trouble. Deal with today's. There is trouble in the world. We don't have to live as if the trouble controls us, drives us, directs us. If Jesus is essential, we will follow his way instead of trying to get him to sanction ours. Jesus is essential as we follow the way. Father, I pray for those who are listening both here and online. God, I just pray that you would not only show us the way, but help us to experience the fullness of walking in it. I thank you for your grace, the love in which you show us just repeatedly. I pray that you would would show if there's anything within our lives, anything within our hearts that is not pleasing to you, let us see it. I pray that you would not utterly destroy us, but you would give give us a heart of repentance so we can root out that leads us to darkness and destruction. Let us experience joy in life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name that we pray.